Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Your favorite White Sox podcast is a new name, but the same great taste. It's time to talk shop and talk socks on the Sox Machine podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to Sox Machine Live. I'm your host, Josh Nelson, and it's Thursday, May 24th, 2018, as the Chicago White Sox were blown out today by the Baltimore Orioles 9-3 as Lucas Giolito struggles again. But the good news is the White Sox came out ahead in their eight-game homestand against the Texas Rangers and the Baltimore Orioles, winning five out of eight games. They are now 15-32 and on the season. We'll talk about Giolito later, as it's been a whirlwind of news surrounding the Chicago White Sox the last 24 hours. And on this episode, we'll try to make sense of everything that is going on with the team. And joining me to make sure we don't forget about anything and also try to piece everything together and what the White Sox are trying to do now, what they could possibly do in the near future with this 25-man roster, is the managing editor of SoxMachine.com and the co-host of the podcast is Jim Margulis. And hello, Jim. Quick question. Would you want to be in Rick Hahn's shoes right now? Not really. <laughs> this is the only... Well, this is one of the few times that I actually feel sorry for a general manager in professional sports who gets paid more than a million dollars a year to do this job because the last 24 hours have been insane. He even said as much in his uh, media meeting with the media today in the dugout in the sense that he could not enjoy the White Sox blowout win yesterday in which the White Sox won 11 to one against Baltimore. It was a very fun game. I was enjoying myself And then around the fifth inning, we get the news from Twitter that Wellington Castillo is going to be suspended for 80 games for PED usage. And funny, we talked about PED usage with Robinson Cano last week on Sox Machine Live. And uh, here we are. Now we have to cover as far as this event and White Sox fans have to deal with one of their 
players on the roster now having to go through the suspension. Again, it is 80 games. What do you make of this, Jim? Well, it's not fun. And I mean, um, yeah, I think I wrote uh, last night that it's, you know, it's going to happen to the White Sox having an active player suspended. They haven't had one. Um, You know, they've had guys they've acquired beforehand. They had guys um, that uh, either were prospects or at the major league level who got uh, busted. They had uh, Javi Guerra, who was suspended with the Charlotte Knights, you know, after he had a stint with the White Sox and was still in the organization, but not at the major league level and not really somebody in the plans. So, you know, the White Sox, for as long as the testing program has been going on, they've been, I imagine it's a combination of both lucky and vigilant that they were able to avoid this. But, you know, given that, uh, uh, you know, the way the game's going, and I think also, you know, seeing the discussion with uh, what uh, Castillo was busted for and the drugs that uh, Robinson Cano was busted for, that it seems like maybe that the testing program is getting better or maybe casting a wider net and getting things that didn't get before because I think uh, everybody's very confused about, you know, that uh, Castillo, what he was using, was really a um, something for red blood cells, not for uh, growth necessarily. Right, for recovery. Yeah, or at least in, in-game endurance, that kind of thing, yeah. Right, well, in-game endurance for a catcher. I mean, you're squatting a lot. Yeah. But I could see this where this allows Castillo to be able to catch 100-plus games a year. I mean, he was a free agent. He was a free agent. He was trying to get paid. He got his money. He got his contract. So, I mean, again, to revisit our conversation we had last week, this is where I, I this doesn't bug me. If a player is trying to stay on the field, this doesn't bug me as much as it used to. Uh, but uh, but this I mean it I mean sucks. like I would say it, uh, it it bugs me in that um, you know a lot of players don't you know get busted for it so I understand the temptation and such and I don't you know I guess I don't uh, cast aspersions and I think it will be you know gains in medicine will offset or or kind of um, I guess negate this need to cut corners I think in due time but um, you know looking at the post game uh, comments by James Shield and such and you know getting an idea of uh, or just seeing how people who with some knowledge of performance enhancing drugs were just kind of surprised by what he got busted for. It seems like this is the kind of case where not everybody's doing it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I don't believe that. I, yeah. I, I, I don't believe that. I don't, I, well, we'll see. There'll be more. There'll be more. I mean, it comes in stretches. It seems like for major league baseball that they catch these guys in spring training. There is an appeal process. And that's why we've heard about Robbins Cano last week, and now we're hearing about Wellington Castillo now. The nice thing is that he just admitted it. Yes. He didn't uh, try to do a cover-up or anything like that, just at least he did the adult thing afterwards. Right. Right. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be more, though. I mean, that's that's where I'm getting the whole not everyone's doing it. Okay, yeah, not everyone is doing it, but there's more than just well, two I mean, players. This, this specific... This specific oh, oh procedure, I gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The Lance Armstrong strategy of blood doping. Never thought that would come to Major League Baseball. You know, my buddy's a doctor out in San Diego, and I always ask him questions about this when this type of stuff comes up because you know he's got far more knowledge and he does he deals with this stuff every single day. When I texted him about you know what is this, he's like, oh, that's like for cycling. That's what Lance Armstrong did. Like, okay, well, this is what Wellington Castillo got busted for. And he LOL'd me. He's like, that doesn't make sense. He's like, his opinion is, and this is a doctor's opinion, that there'd be no way to prove that this 
would been effective for him. So why do it? Yeah. That I can understand yeah. being angry about as a fan. Be like, why are you doing something that is a banned substance and there is no proof that it's going to make things better for you? Yeah. No, it's, it's aside from, you know, breaking the rules, it's also stupid and careless. Or at least it's bad advice. One of the two. You know, somebody's being, you know, somebody's not thinking it out. Well, there's there a, could be multiple layers of people not thinking it out. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But as long as there's big bucks to make in the game, it's going to continue to happen. Major League Baseball is doing a far better job, though, of catching it. And uh, I I just don't think it's just going to be Robinson Cano and Wellington Castillo. It's now waiting who's next that they caught during spring training. And uh, we'll find out. And I'm sure it'll be surprising when that player gets called out. But what Rick Hahn has to deal with, I mean, there's two situations that he has to deal with. One with the catching position, he called up Alfredo Gonzalez to replace Castillo. That seems to be a short-term decision, just that they need another body, a warm body, to be on the 25-man roster uh, to help out Omar Novaez because, of course, conveniently or inconveniently, uh, Kevin Smith is now on the seven-day DL, and so is Sebi Zavala down in Birmingham, which was an interesting name drop that Rick Hahn made today on some possible uh, in-house solutions that the White Sox could go with. Uh, but Rick Hahn did reach out. He made another cash considerations trade with the Oakland Athletics for catcher Dustin Gurnu. Uh, been a AAA guy. He's got He's had some starts with the Colorado Rockies in the past. He's 30 years old. Again, this is incredibly short term. But, you know, Jim, you know, any guesses on what the White Sox are going to do behind the plate? Because I do not think it's going to be very beneficial to have Omar Neves taking up the bulk of the starts. Well, I guess for the time being, you know, given that uh, they have three catchers on the, even with Wellington's Castillo out, Gonzalez up, they have three catchers on the list. I think they'd want to stick to that as closely as possible. So I think it bears watching just how quickly Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith comes back from his ankle injury. Um, yeah, I imagine it might be the same thing he dealt with earlier where it's, uh, you know, happened in spring training and such and and he's come back and you know he's he's doing what he did last year and what he did in spring training which is hit well enough and not throw anybody out and call a good game and frame better than Narvaez so you know it's a trade-off between the two of them but given just how poorly Narvaez has played this year um it's been really tough watching him both at the plates and behind it especially like all yeah not just framing but all the past balls too he leads the league in that despite playing you know a backup catcher's amount of playing time so you know, it's a big problem there, and uh, which is disappointing because you know, given how close Narvaez is to a decent major league catcher, even in a backup role, you know, given his plate discipline and uh, given you know his, his okay throwing arm and such, you know, he was just pretty close to being a an okay one B type catcher. Um, but now it's just he seems even you know, farther away from that than he was his rookie year, and I don't know what happened there. And uh, I imagine Garneau is there just in case Smith isn't ready to bounce back, and you know Zavala is not in the uh, you're ready in the interim. Your mean Mercedes was called up to Charlotte to take that playing time, and he's one of their organizational catchers. I think they rotate around, so I think Garneau would be the guy in the event of an emergency where they need another catcher up. At least he's there with major league experience and um, knows how to, I guess, handle the whole situation. But it's a mess right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. How do you think this suspension impacts Castillo's status with the White Sox for next year? Because, again, he has signed for two years, and he will not be rejoining the team until late August. I don't think it changes much um, just because they are very far away from contending. So um, 
I think the plan largely stays the same in that he's a two-year uh, stopgap. Um, you know, maybe they, you know, maybe there's less motivation to keep him. Perhaps that they feel burned by him. You know, when the trade deadline comes around, whether it's in the off-season, whether it's in the uh, um, you know May, June, July type thing, where a team needs a catcher and you know they don't feel as much emotional attachment to him, maybe that changes that. But otherwise, I still think it's about um, you know Zach Collins and Sevi Zavala and how well they develop and. Um, just uh, whether either of them or both of them are able to take over the playing time in 2019. Or twice, I should say 2020. So that is the unfortunate news with, with Wellington Castillo, suspended. We'll talk about beef in late August. Um, conveniently, that's when rosters are soon to be expanded. So why not add another player back into the 25-man roster, at least into the fold? The other piece of news, and this came after sealing two bases in a row, Louis Garcia is now on the 10-day DL with a left knee sprain, and uh, it could it could be worse. It could be worse than a sprain because he got his plant leg as he was sliding to the base, stuck into the infield, and he twisted around, and sometimes people tear ACLs, and you could be gone for a year. Uh, so I'm, I'm stretching now, Jim, to find, this, find the silver lining and all things awful with the White Sox at the moment. But anyways, Garcia is now going on the 10-day DL. We talked about this on Monday. I asked you, what are the White Sox going to do if another outfielder gets hurt? Here we are, Thursday, Jim, and another White Sox outfielder is hurt. They have called up Charlie Tilson because he's on the 40-man roster. And now the White Sox outfield is Daniel Polka, Adam Engel, Trace Thompson, and Tilson. So for the foreseeable future, is this the worst collection of outfielders in White Sox recent memory? Pretty close. There was, I think, in 2007, an outfield with Darren Erstad and Jerry Owens and Scott Zednick. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, so there were some some dark times there, but it's pretty close. And, yeah, and, and it could be, you know, very easily, um, yeah, assuming... When you when you look at track records and accomplishments, at least Erstad had you know, a couple good seasons with the Angels. So, I mean, when you talk about some of Major League accomplishments, yes, it is the worst. Um, so, yeah, it's a mess. And, you know, Tilson, I, I was a little bit bullish on, um, not at this point, uh, this is a bit early, but, you know, watching him play at Charlotte, you know, watching the box scores, following his daily progress, it seemed like the hit tool was shaping up that he was making reliable, you know, good contact, using his speed well, playing good defense. So it seemed like his game was shaping together. He still had an empty May average, not really drawing a lot of walks or extra base hits, but it seemed like, you know, in April and even in spring training, he was just behind everything, late on everything. And this finally looked like, okay, the game is starting to come together to resemble what it was. Still some work needed to go, and I think now the White Sox are, at least until, you know, maybe Michael Saunders or Alex Presley, uh, show what they can do in Charlotte and maybe present themselves as, as more reliable stopgaps, more, you know, I guess you can put them in the bench. You don't have to worry about development. You know, if, Char- if Charlie Tilson still needs everyday at bats, Charlotte's a better place for him. But I think, you know, one of those veteran outfielders will have to step up and present themselves as a, a better option, at least until Eloy Jimenez is, you know, clear past all the service time thresholds and stuff. The White Sox seem intent to keep him behind. Because, I mean, like, it's not, you know, with Jimenez, it's not so much that he's not in Chicago, but he's not even in Charlotte right now. And I think uh, with all these outfielders kind of jamming up uh, Charlotte, I think that's one potential missed opportunity is not using one of these those vacancies to call up Jimenez and see what he does with the Knights. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the signing of Michael Saunders and Alex Presley. I guess I understand the signing of Michael Saunders. Uh, 
you know, former major leaguer, somebody that's been a target often in the White Sox offseason plans that we've ran, not naming names. And uh, Alex Presley, mm-hmm. after that signing, it's like, okay, what are the White Sox doing here? Like, well, Presley's playing a lot better than Saunders. So oh, is he? Be toast. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because uh, Presley's been in like in AAA. I'm looking at his stats like since 2011. Like he's been living in AAA. Yeah, he's like a he's a quadruple A outfielder. But okay, watching what Saunders you know, has posted this year at AAA, you know, and they've both been at Norfolk in the same outfield. It seems like uh, Presley has more life in him. Saunders has just been he's his body's been through a lot. It has. It has often injured. But I just I just don't get it. I, I I am losing ways of trying to see this situation logically where Jimenez is still in Birmingham. Yeah. I I think uh yeah, that's the real issue is just maybe they don't want to open up a roster spot for one of the Winston Salem outfielders. Maybe they don't think any of them is ready for it, but well, I'm sorry, but you got Luis Robert who's going to be joining the roster soon. You got to yeah, do something. They, uh, they might be waiting for that, though. I'm guessing they're, yeah, ideally, and, and because it also works with the service time thresholds, that they wait for Robert to come back. That uh, requires an outfielder to go up to Birmingham. That requires a spot open in Birmingham. Jimenez goes up to Charlotte. Nobody can accuse the White Sox of rushing Jimenez, which they've been accused of rushing prospects in the past. So I imagine that's the outline, but... And, and you know what? I am sure you are right. It just, I don't know, man. I, I, I just don't get it. I really don't. I say, you know what, though? You know, Toronto's in the same boat. Why is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. still in double A? Like, get out of the way, let the players play, and give them an opportunity to prove themselves in triple A. You're going to be calling these guys up in September, anyways. I just don't get it. I don't get it, but you know what? For those that watch Charlotte Knights baseball, enjoy Michael Saunders and Alex Presley uh, for the time being, and uh, we'll see how the White Sox handle the Winston-Salem outfield jam when Luis Robert comes, because you also mentioned the minor league reports. Luis Gonzalez is too good for single A, and -hmm. he should probably be tested in advance A. So I just, yeah, this whole situation, and you know, I call this out every time the White Sox seem to run into this, is that the 40-man roster for the White Sox, when you take a look at it, it, it it's a mess. It's a mess. Like, there's no reason why Ian Clarkin should be on the 40-man roster. Mm-hmm. Luis Masabe has been playing great this year, but before the beginning of this year, it didn't make any sense to have him on the 40-man roster. And I get it. The fear of A.J. Preller and the San Diego Padres selecting one of your advanced say, outfielders and stashing away on their 25-man roster all year. But this is a bit problematic. And again, it'd be a lot easier to manage this team if guys didn't get hurt. And players that get suspended for PEDs for 80 games. So I agree with you, Jim. I would not want to be Rick Hahn right now because it's one thing to have to endure as a general manager, a team that is 15 and 32 on the year, and then try to prepare for the Major League Baseball draft, which is 10 days away, and continue to build the pipeline. And then all of a sudden, this plops on your plate. <laughs> oh, yep. man. And then uh, let's talk about Lucas Giolito, because I think that's another decision Rick Hahn's going to have to make up his mind with. Uh, today, Giolito, one and one-third innings, six hits allowed, seven earned runs allowed, three walks, and he didn't strike out anyone. 
Season to date, in 10 starts, Giolito has thrown 49 innings, which is not good. He's allowed 47 hits, 37 walks to 27 strikeouts, and his ERA is now 7.53. How much longer can this go on, Jim? Well, I guess the good news for Giolito, and it's not good news for the White Sox, but Carlos Rodon was hit in the head with a line drive in his rehab start in Charlotte just uh, <laughs> maybe it. like uh, yeah, 15 minutes ago, or 20 minutes ago. And uh, it seems like Rodon is okay. He wanted to stay in the game. They took him out for a precautionary measure, just like hit him right in the forehead. But uh, he was limited to two and a third innings, I think, or two and two thirds. He was the third inning, it happened. And so it seems like Rodon won't be ready for. You might need one more start in Charlotte to get all the way up to 100 pitches against um, as close to major league talent as he can get. So it looks like at least, you know, whether it's Covey or Santiago or Gilito, they all were granted a, a slight reprieve for at least one week until, you know, Rodon's able to get back on the mound and finish a start. But yeah, it's been a mess and uh i i that was i think i wrote about in the athletic that it was carson fulmer's demotion was going to expose some people especially like say if dylan covey came up and pitched well because uh you know covey is not anybody's idea of the future of the rotation but you know he pitched well enough in the double header you know he did his job in pitching six innings and saving uh um the bullpen from having to you know do double duty but uh you know he came back and he pitched uh you know seven strong innings against the Orioles, you know, throwing strikes and just, you know, kind of proving the, uh, the value of throwing strikes with 95 miles per hour as a starter. And so, you know, that might backfire on him, uh, you know, without the great secondary stuff, you might see him run into a wall, but for the time being, you're seeing the whole idea of what young pitchers are supposed to do until, you know, pitcher or until the opposition proves that, uh, you know, they can hit strikes. So Giolito is getting just derailed before he even starts, uh, you know, getting hit hard. And that's where I think the really confusing and maddening thing watching them you know just a lot of these problems with control are just ones that the opponents didn't force i don't know how much longer they can have him start games i mean i guess you could keep throwing him out there but you sent down carson fulmer already to hopefully bounce back and if you saw dylan covey in that start he was terrific so maybe there's some hope that carson fulmer could work on some some things in charlotte regain some confidence and be able to bounce back like Covey did. Again, it's just one start, extreme small sample size. But I, I just don't know how this is beneficial, having Lucas Gilito get blown up like this. But again, with how everything else is going with the White Sox, who's going to be healthy enough to, you could swap in for him, right? I mean, if you look at the 40-man roster, there's not another starting pitcher right now that the White Sox have. If you decide to send Lucas Giolito down, you're probably then having Chris Volstead, right? Be a starter and then call up another reliever and try to have two bullpen days unless you have more confidence than I do that Hector Santiago can consistently get five-plus innings with every start that he has. Yeah, I think I think Rodano is going to be the one to force it. The next rotation change, whatever it might be. But I, I could see, though, Giolito still sticking. I see the White Sox being more patient with Giolito than Fulmer. Yeah, and Rick Renteria said as much. He said uh, Fulmer's problems were, um, and well, until this start, I think with Giolito, he had some outings where he struggled early with his control, but bounced back to throw five innings, throw six innings, and maybe it wasn't pretty, but at least it was effective, and he showed an ability to get on track, whereas Fulmer couldn't. But this start undermines that notion a little bit, and it's now... Um, you know, two seven walk starts in the season for him, and it's he's also hitting a lot of batters too. That's the thing. Like he's, I think he's hit a batter five starts in a row, 
to go along with his league-leading walk total. So, yeah, I think hit-by-pitches are often overlooked when it comes to base runners because it's not included in whip. Um, it's not included in walk percentage and such, but there are base runners getting on, and it's uh, and, and so yeah, even when he is throwing strikes, he still has the ability. You know, he still has a tendency to you know bury a curveball and hit a foot and just put another base runner on. Well, some good news from the last two days is uh, Jose Rodon hitting well for the White Sox. Yeah. He now has two home runs in the year. He provided all of the offense today for the White Sox as they only had two hits. Omar Nevaez had a single. And Rondon hit a three-run homer off Dylan Bundy. Bundy had one of his best starts in his career. He struck out 14 batters with a complete game performance, though he pitched 120 pitches, and that is problematic. We'll see how Bundy bounces back. He's been very, very inconsistent this month. It's either been really good or really, really bad. So we'll see how Bundy goes. Yeah, and I think think from reading Keith Law, I think when he's going really good, the... Orioles have a tendency to overuse them, which then I think leads to the really bad. Hmm. That's troublesome. That's troublesome. But, you know, with all these injuries here for what the White Sox are dealing with, I mean, are we going to see more of Jose Rondon, Jim? Could. I mean, when you look at the outfield and such, I think, uh, you know, Rondon is probably a better use of playing time than Trace Thompson. And we'll see what um, exactly they have in plan for Charlie Tilson, Adam Engel happened to throw up a four-for-four uh, game just when it looked like um, he had exhausted everybody's patience. You know, he, he roars back with that, and his May hasn't been terrible. So, uh, you know, he might get chances. But I think for the time being, if Rondon can be serviceable, like kind of be what Tyler Saladino was before Saladino's back flared up and before his, his power disappeared, um, you know, maybe Rondon fills that role, and then maybe that frees up Yolmer Sanchez to get a couple outfielder outfield reps that they were talking about. Um, I can see that being the case because, uh, you know, if Rondon's swinging a good bat and you want room for him, Sanchez and Matt Davidson, assuming Davidson gets over his back tightness, um, that probably is the closest thing to a major league lineup. The White Sox can get at this point. Oh man. White Sox cannot have another injury. They just cannot have another injury. Nobody else is allowed to get hurt. Jim, like this is it. They cannot allow anyone else to get hurt. Cause, well, yeah, but I mean, like, that just opens up. You, know, you say that, and then they'll get suspended. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 This, is, this is where we are, folks. This is where we are. 2018 is one dandy of a season. Well, the White Sox are done with their homestand, and they're going to be on the road as they visit the, the Detroit Tigers this Memorial Day weekend and then be on their way to Cleveland to play on Memorial Day during the week. We're going to preview the upcoming series against the Detroit Tigers. But before we do that, a quick word from our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I use SeatGeek all the time to buy Chicago White Sox tickets, and I have taken advantage of SeatGeek's recent promotion where all SeatGeek users get to save $10 off 
your Major League Baseball purchases. So I was able to stag some tickets in September when the Angels come to visit Guaranteed Rate Field. Hopefully, Kopech and Jimenez will be with the White Sox, but a chance to see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in person, you can't pass that up. There's some great deals all the time on SeatGeek, and using that $10 off really helped secure four tickets for me for that weekend. And if you're always looking for great deals for Chicago White Sox tickets, there's a couple of ways that our listeners can save some money using SeatGeek. One, if you've never used SeatGeek before, download the app and enter promo code SOXMACHINE. That's promo code SOXMACHINE, and you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And again, that Major League Baseball all ticket purchases for baseball games has been extended through June when you use our promo code MACHINE. Again, that's promo code MACHINE for $10 off all Major League Baseball tickets on SeatGeek and SeatGeek.com. All right, time to preview the upcoming road series as the Chicago White Sox head to Detroit to face the Tigers. Your probable pitchers for this series starting on Friday, May 25th. It is a 6.10 p.m. Central Time start. It is Ronaldo Lopez for the White Sox against Mike Fears. Fears, if you remember, pitched against the White Sox back in April 8th. Not a single pitch was faster than 90 miles per hour, but nonetheless, he shut out the White Sox for six. Uh, innings that game was very frustrating to watch hopefully the White Sox can make the necessary adjustments this time around or the second time around against fears on Saturday May 26 it is an afternoon game starting at 3 10 p.m central time it is Hector Santiago against old friend Francisco Liriano and on Sunday May 27th it is a 12 10 p.m central time start it is James Shields against Blaine Hardy and based on recent Success that the White Sox pitching has had. And that's the frustrating thing with Lucas Giolito. The White Sox starters and bullpen have been pitching much better in the last couple of weeks, Jim. I'm feeling pretty good about the White Sox heading into this series, especially on how well Lopez, Santiago, and Shields have been pitching. How do you feel about the White Sox going back on the road and facing a divisional rival? Well, you know, when you look at how well they pitched, they did pitch against, um, you know, two last place teams in the uh, Rangers and Orioles. So there's that to consider. But the Tigers have been in a rough spot themselves. They've um, kind of sank back to the, well, they're, they're squarely third place, but you're playing, I think, the last five in a row. Uh, they got swept by the Twins, um, or they lost three or four to the Twins. And yeah, it seems like they're vulnerable. Zimmerman's hurt again. Um, yeah, I would like to say that they have chances. And you mentioned that fire start, and it would be nice to see him stick at the fires just because I think, you know, not only did he beat Reynaldo Lopez and Lopez threw seven innings of two-hit ball, and he gave one hundred run, and that ended up being the only run of the game. So there's that. But also, I think I remember Fires hitting Jose Abreu, and it seemed a little bit sketchy because Fires kind of has that history. And it'd be nice to see that avenged, you know, baseball-wise, not throwing at guys-wise, because I don't know if the White Sox pitchers... Uh, well, one, I don't know if you'd be able to tell with some of them, and two, just they don't need extra base runners. So it'd be nice to see, you know, some some revenge by the hitters in that case. But it's, uh, yeah, this, I guess, will tell us a little bit about how the next um, few weeks is going to go, at least until, you know, Jimenez and Kopech become more of the conversation and Rodon's back, just because this roster is very, very limited. I mean, the first uh, Gonzalez starts. Uh, if you have a bottom of the order where it's Angle, yeah, because watching Angle when he's in the lineup, American League pitchers kind of treat him like a National League pitcher, just walking guys to get to him. And fortunately, he stood up a little bit, a little bit for himself, and he's been able to get hits on enough to maybe keep them honest. But I think if you have Angle and Gonzalez at the bottom of the order, that just really 
inviting pitchers to really take it easy on the six and seven hitters um, as they work towards that kind of respite. So I don't like really the way the lineup shapes up, and yeah, it could be messy, but I think this at least allows them to ease back into competition a little bit and, and ease back against better teams on the road with a, a fairly favorable series, even if nothing's really favorable for the White Sox, like in the truest sense of the word. Yeah, I mean, they're in survive mode. I mean, that's pretty much been the theme yeah. of this whole entire episode, is that right now, going from like rebuilding mode, the White Sox are in survival mode. They got to survive at least a couple of weeks, if not another month, uh, before they could find some help and guys get healthy and then return back to the 25-man roster. But it would go a great way, great length, I should say, if Rolando Lopez and Santiago and James Shields could continue to be successful in their starts and last at least six innings and the bullpen can continue their recent success. It'll make games a lot more competitive for the White Sox. But you're right, Jim, unless Yohan Makata and Jose Abreu have outstanding games, it's going to be tough for the White Sox to score some runs. Yep. And and I'm hoping also for Charlie Tilson to show something. I'm not expecting a whole lot, but it'd just be nice for his story, given how how much he's been through and how hard he's had to work to get back to Chicago. And even if he had a, you know, needed two outfielder injuries to break into Chicago, and it might not really be something he's earned. Um, you know, players don't always earn their chances to get to the majors. Sometimes it is, you know, requires three lucky breaks in time to get there and, you know, may as well take the opportunity and run with it. Just don't get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Detroit is where he got hurt. So. Yes. Yeah. Just don't get hurt. Nobody get hurt. How about that? Or suspended. Or suspended. Or arrested. Or arrested. It hasn't happened yet, but given Yeah, let's not we go. We can't there. really we can't really <laughs> define rock bottom yet. It just may as well cover that. <laughs> well, we are at rock bottom. I mean, you can't I don't know if you can get any worse than this. Well, I mean, you said rock bottom, then uh, Castile's out for 80 games with the first ever suspension. So again, you know, they're just adding new wrinkles to it. I mean, like, it's all the same. It's all losing and losing and losing. And so it doesn't change ultimately the overall feel of it, but they are breaking new ground. So <laughs> they're just going wider. Yeah. <laughs> you're at the very bottom. Now you're just making things wider. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Just the abyss grows. <laughs> Uh, stick with us, guys. We try, we'll try to be entertaining and try to make sense of things that are going to happen in this season. Um, but yeah, the White Sox against the Tigers. It should be a fun and great weather weekend in Chicago. But if it gets too hot for you, as I see in the weather, that could be up to 93 degrees on Sunday. You could stay in and hopefully watch the White Sox be competitive and maybe steal a couple of wins against the Detroit Tigers as the White Sox continue their climb out of the cellar in the American League Central as Kansas City has finally caught up to the White Sox towards the bottom. That will do it for this edition of Sox Machine Live. Thank you guys so much for listening to us on the live stream on Mixer.com slash Socks Machine. If you don't get an opportunity to listen to us live, no worries. Every episode is recorded and uploaded into the podcast feed, which you can listen to in iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Music Store, and Audioboom.com slash Socks Machine. Jim and I will be back on Monday with the Socks Machine podcast. And have a great Memorial Day weekend, and hopefully there will be no more chaos or suspensions or injuries that we'll have to talk about on Monday's show. Again, thank you for listening to Sox Machine Live. Alongside Jim Margulis, I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. 
Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Check out our amazing offers on Xfinity Internet. You'll get fast speed and Wi-Fi coverage you can count on. Plus, get advanced security free with the XFi Gateway, so you can keep the connected devices in your home protected from network threats. Just log in and activate through the Xfinity app. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.